And we're back for another exciting episode of Your Exit Squad. Mike Finger, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm, uh, I'm excited to be here again, uh, back at Your Exit Squad. Tonight's going to be a, a partner profile for us. Uh, these are the uh, professionals that have joined our, our group who are interested in uh, engaging our business owner participants who want to make some changes in their business. And uh, I love these stories. I love learning how these people end up doing what they're doing and giving our, our business owner listeners a chance to really drill down and understand how a relationship like this works from the other side. Uh, it, it, that's a great way to put it because, you know, uh, I've worked with a lot of different business owners over the course of the years, and I I would have to say that the majority of small business owners that I've met have probably not had a lot of experiences working with whether it's just consultants that come in to work on a specific problem or some kind of coach or, or someone who's going to help them strategize or plan or anything like that in their business. And so for many people, they're probably a little bit apprehensive. You know, what does this really look like? What can it cost? What can I expect as far as, you know, what I'm going to get for my money? And, and is it something that's going to be worthwhile and work? Absolutely. How do I do this? Why would I do this? Um, I think our guest tonight is going to help us uh, uh, set the table on that. So um, it's it's my pleasure to introduce Bob Payton, owner let's, and coach at the Growth Coach of North Indianapolis. And let's bring let's bring Bob in here. Hey, Bob, how you doing? Good. How are you guys? Excellent, Good. sir. Thanks for having me. Yeah, very, very nice to see you here. Um, Bob, get us started. Tell us a little bit about your background and how you ended up doing what you're doing. Fair enough. Uh, Reader's Digest version or the long version? <laughs> no. Um, short stories, 20-year um, corporate weenie, I call myself. Uh, grew up in the aerospace industry here in Indianapolis. Um, ended my 20-year career uh, after... 15 years of ownership at Rolls-Royce um, and then decided to go off on my own. Uh, I was 20 years and 40 years old and didn't want to be 50 and get laid off, bottom line. So, um, and that took me down a strange path of consulting for a while. Uh, it was all good. Uh, figured out that there is an outside world where you can make a living. And um, that ended up taking me overseas. So I actually ended up uh, working uh both a consulting gig initially with Qantas uh, in Australia. And then after nine months of uh, uh, back and forth and super community, I'll call it from my home here in Zionsville, um, hired on full time and then moved my family in the January of 12, I believe it was, and uh, finished up that assignment later in uh, the fall of 2012 and came back home. Uh, worked for Cummins for about a year and a half in the power gen market, and then also opened up an engineering office uh, for a company called Quest Global. Uh, three years, full PL responsibilities, uh, grew the business to about 70 here and 70 offshore, and then decided I really didn't like the corporate life that much. So went back out on my own, uh, entered the power gen market um, again, and ended up with a subcontracting business with about 20 plus subcontractors working for me at one given time. Uh, but this is where coaching came in. So I found that I really enjoyed the nighttime conversations after five o'clock, after the daytime project was finished, uh, reviewing people problems, financial problems, business problems, 
And during that time in both 17 and 18, just decided that's where I really enjoyed my spending my time. Um, and so shifted the business um, during pretty much the middle of 18 over to coaching. And then um, as I hit 2019, I met Lisa Hudson, who was my predecessor, the growth coach at Carmel. And I was truly just enamored. Uh, she was just a f one of those people you meet and just go, wow. <laughs> right. And um, long story short, uh, she ended up becoming the president of the franchise that's based in Cincinnati. And I ended up buying her franchise in the summer of 19 and haven't looked back ever since. So um, that's how I got my start. And it's been quite the ride. So. Bob, uh, a couple of things to unpack there, but to start with, what's the difference between a consultant and a coach? Oh, we get to ask that a lot. Uh, some of us actually, I would say, are consultant coaches. We're slightly, you know, there's a blend, right? Okay. Uh, pure coaching is what I would call literally you're never really ever providing pure advice on what the client should do. All right. Clients are experts. They know they've been there. And in my case, I've got some obviously background that comes to bear. But um, from a pure coach standpoint, we would always, always try and drive the client and pull it out of the client of what they want and what they want to do. Whereas a consultant may say, you know, Mike, David, you really just need to do X, Y, and Z. And that's what you're paying me to do to get you from A to B. So, um, but there is a blend. I think, you know, a lot of us have this conversation both within our franchise and other coaches. Um, you know, the bottom line is we still have experience to come that can come to bear on a particular problem. So, Interesting. And, yeah, and, and so I find it interesting that you bought this coaching franchise. Yeah. Does that mean that the, your predecessor had built up a clientele that you took over? Nope. Uh, she actually, before she uh, transitioned, I mean, coaching is a very personal business, right? Mm -hmm. So it's very hard to transition, especially for a solo coach. Um, so what I received, what I tell you I did receive was a warm introduction and a warm territory. So brand, uh, I did not have to educate people on the brand. Um, and so any, you know, some just use networking meetings or a dinner or anything like that. I would say, you know, Lisa Hudson and the growth coach and they go, Oh, I know Lisa. And that actually provided an incredible amount of traction and value just by itself. Um, so yeah, I, I literally, I had pulled some clients with me uh, from my previous business um, and made those coaching clients, but then built everything else from there. Interesting. And so the, the affiliation with the franchise or what, mm -hmm. what is it that they provide to you? Are there certain tools or frameworks or oh, sure. things that, yeah. Can you yeah. talk about that? Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I bought it for several reasons. One, I liked uh, the, my predecessor. And so that made trusting the system uh, a lot easier. But uh, the bottom line is we buy what we call the strategic mindset process. Um, it is what I would call a, a five-step process that reviews things through that lens. Um, everything from self-awareness to being real with yourself and, and facing the actual reality of your business, which actually Mike and I've talked a lot about with some of the clients and people that we deal with. Um, and so what we get is a basic framework that allows us to customize a particular engagement with a client, whether that be one-on-one -on -one or in groups. So we've got everything from what I'll call just pure mindset coaching um, for leaders, uh, whether that be the CEO or their first line. Um, 
as well as leadership development, strategic management development. How do we get those middle managers, especially to go from doer to manager, manager to leader? So, Bob, why does a small business owner hire a coach? Oh, wow. Um, it's a great question. Um, typically, what I'd say that if I asked every single one of my clients that answer, uh, they were seeking a, a different point of view. They wanted an outside influence where the, uh, you know, call it the force from the trees, call it looking around corners, um, trying to figure out um, how to work through a particular issue or a challenge. And it's really hard to do that by yourself. You know, a lot of, you know, you know this, a lot of business owners, even fairly large, you know, mid-sized business, they're, they're fairly alone. Um, they don't necessarily have a peer network to lean on. You know, they'll, and we talk about, they have, they may have a spouse at home, they may have friends, but if they're not owners and they don't live in the business, it makes it really hard for them to truly talk with someone and talk something out. Um, and in some cases, it is literally what I call, I'm a phone, phone the friend, um, that literally allows them to vent and not in a, just a bad way, but just in a way to actually talk out something that they're trying to, re they really struggle with and just sitting in a room by yourself trying to solve it, just can't get it done. Um, and so, and again, we obviously have uh, various you know, backgrounds and experiences um, that we can bring to bear on their particular business that can help shape some of that conversation as well. So. Do most, do most owners, it's a strange question, but do most owners that you interact with on that prospect front, do they even know why they're talking to a coach? I mean, is it, I, I you, you described what they might need, but do they know what they need? Uh, that's probably, I would say 50, 50, okay. um, some have either worked with a coach or a consultant before I would say most don't or haven't. And so there is a bit of a learning curve with that. Um, you know, I, a lot of them confuse us with therapist. I'm not their therapist, right? We, we're not there to be their psychologist. That's not our remit. Um, although we do hear things, right? <laughs> we get to hear it all. Um, but you know, I, I would say, most have used like maybe an outside accountant or a lawyer, but they, you know, a coach, you know, and then we started that conversation and, you know, we use the parallels to sports coaching a lot and it makes it easier to understand that, you know, Tiger Woods has a, has a golf coach probably has multiple ones. And so it's just a matter of, you know, if you feel that you can do it by yourself, honestly, you're probably not going to make a great client. Um, yeah. we're, we're not a crutch, right? We're not, we're not there, you know, to fix bad owners. That is, you know, that's a, a misnomer for sure. It's to get the most out of them. And that's really what it is. So. And, and before you arrive, what are some of the stop gap or bandaid measures that you find some people are trying to apply on their own? Uh, they've usually read a lot of books. The ones I, most of my clients I'd say are voracious readers what they don't necessarily know is how to implement it. Um, they don't know how to um, integrate it into their business. Um, you know, there's some basic business fundamentals that are the same for everyone, but then there's always the specifics of the particular situation. And so I call it that integration of that concept is where they get stuck or they may try something and it doesn't work too well and then they give up. 
Bob, give us a specific example of that. Tell us a story that would illustrate what you just said. Oh, wow. Um, Let me use live example. So growing law firm here in Indianapolis, it's a client. Um, They've been growing quite quickly. Um, But like any other law firm, they're lawyers. Uh, There aren't necessarily people managers. And so when it comes to actual people management, and the things that come with that. As you can imagine, most lawyers have a certain style to them. Um, And this is not necessarily a pure litigational firm. So a lot of transactional type work. Um, So when it comes to, they can read all the management and people books, but a lot of the questions that I have with uh, the people that I sit with and their leadership team is how do I tell Susie that she's not doing a very good job? How do I know that she's not doing a good job? How do I measure her performance? How do I have a performance conversation, right? And some of these things that you'll you'll probably kind of get pick up, they're really basic. Yeah. But I've also found, and this isn't uh, a dig at owners or anything like that. They just don't necessarily have the experiences that some of us have where I manage people for 30 plus years and I can't tell you how many performance reviews and how many people I hired and fired over those time periods. And they just don't necessarily have that type of experience. Um, And then especially if their role doesn't necessarily equate itself to just purely managing people, they're lawyers, they're working on, you know, various law things, whatever those people do. Right. Um, They don't sit there and think about how do I get the most out of my employees from a performance standpoint? So it's just, you know, it's bridging that gap. It's it's the secret sauce, the space between, whatever you want to call it. Interesting. And, and so you you are billed as the growth coach. And okay. so what um, to me, you know, I've, I've never met anyone who, who called themselves a, a growth coach before. So mm-hmm. so is it because you're trying to attract a certain type of clientele or is there a specific subset of experiences that you have that you find you're able to to help drive with business clients. It's a good question. I would, you know, myself obviously have certain set of backgrounds. Each of the growth coaches across North America and global, for that matter, definitely bring different taste and flavor. Um, you know, we've got some that focus solely on banks, as an example, or solely on uh, the oil industry. Um, in my case, I, I describe myself as a generalist specialist. So I've done a lot of things <laughs> over a long period of time with a a lot of different people and a lot of different business models. And so um, in in our case, I've got clients that range everywhere from retail, donut shops, all the way to law firms, to marketing firms, to solo financiers, uh, et cetera. And so, um, and then I surround myself with guys, wonderful guys like Mike, as an example, who can bring other things to bear when that, you know, that deeper conversation that may need, be needed that, you know, I can't provide the answer to, and that's fine. Um, I don't know everything. Nobody does. So um, the growth coach really was just around, obviously, business growth, mindset growth of the owner and their leadership teams. Um, I would say it's almost more about the mind than it is the finances, uh, and the two do go together. So when, when, when you meet someone, when someone decides that they're going to engage with you, is it most often driven by a desire to achieve new targets and goals, or is it often because of some kind of issue or problem that needs to be addressed? Is it, yeah. is it a remedial thing or, or a, a, 
you know, reaching for the stars kind of thing. I'd say it's half of both. And I, okay. it's very rare that I have someone reach out to me where they're just totally tanky, right? I mean, that's pretty rare. I've had a few, but that's pretty rare. Usually it's a plateau of some sort. They've plateaued okay. in revenue. They've plateaued in margin. They've plateaued in people, headcount, whatever you call it. Uh, maybe they've had turnover, those kind of things. And so, you know, a normal business cycle, there there is a, a rhythm to that. And they reach that plateau and they just kind of get stuck. And so some of them are just getting unstuck from that particular place. Um, and then the others uh, just had a call this morning. Uh, it's an early incubator. He's already got one business. He has a second that he's considering. And how do I actually bolt that on and actually take the business to, you know, three or four X what it is today, given that bolt on um, and, and work through that process, you know, the goods and the bads and the uglies. So, so I'm sitting here and I'm, I, I'm literally putting myself in the position of, of an owner who's hearing this, who's thinking about a coach sure. and Bob, why don't they call? What what is it that keeps an owner from doing that outreach? Um, why why don't all owners use a coach? And I'm and I'm saying that as an yes. owner who for decades never mm -hmm. used a coach. Um, you want the real truth? Yeah, I think a lot of it's ego. Um, the 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 very thing the very thing that makes that owner and got them to where they are can now become the thing that holds them back. Um, because, you know, they've done it out of grit. They had an idea, they made it happen. They formed a team, you know, all those kind of things. And then, you know, they just feel like I should be able to do this myself. Um, and I think that's probably the number one. Uh, some of it maybe is fear, especially if they've had some past experience that didn't go well. Um, and I, I can appreciate that, right? It's um, none, none of us in the coaching industry want to have a bad experience before we show up, right? <laughs> that makes it really tough. Um, and so we spend our time trying to defend the concept more than even try and help solve the problem. Um, but, you know, I would say it's mostly ego just in, and not in a bad way. Again, it's just, you know, owners your owners you know they, there's a certain breed um they wouldn't be owners otherwise and so it's the very thought that why should i need an outside help why should i have a second opinion um and until they get it until they have it and i'll call it it's similar to therapists nobody wants to go to the therapist until they go and then once they go it's like ah oh, that's why we go so that's kind of the same way I equate it. There's just that hump of trust and it is a, it's definitely a trust based business. And what would, what would typically be the length of engagement? Is this something that people start working with you because they want to achieve a certain goal or, or, or remedy a problem? Sure. Or is it something that people start and they just, they just keep doing it? <laughs> That's a good question. I mean, I tell people at an absolute minimum, you can expect to work six months with me, if not a year. Um, and then typically it goes longer than that. Um, and every owner kind of goes through a certain cycle where they, you know, decide, okay, I've got to a certain point. I'm okay for a while and I'm okay with that. Right. There's, there's cycles. I call it that, um, they get momentum. They really chug in. Uh, one example is another lawyer that worked with for six plus months, uh, fairly introverted, which is uh, typical of a lot of solo lawyers. 
and really had trouble selling. He just really struggled with selling. Um, and so we worked through, you know, things like a value proposition, what's comfortable for him of how to sell, uh, trying to take out the mindset of selling's bad and ugly and car sales, you know, ish and those kind of things. And once we got him through that, then he went into execution mode. And once he hit that mode, he said, Bob, I, I've got to really just kind of ride for a while. Fantastic. And so we'll, we'll catch up again in February or January um, after he's had a good, you know, three plus months of execution of the plan itself. Um, and then we'll work on the next challenge, which he will, you know, we'll have. So that's, that's, that's pretty common, but I would say average length, 12 to 18 months. Okay. I'm still thinking about the ego answer. <laughs> and I'm taking that personally, right? Yeah, of course, T. Of not using. Um, no, I, I, I'm what, what I'm fascinated by, and it ties back into the, the question of consultant versus coach. I mean, each of these owners that might have this ego block have, have hired professionals, right? They've, yes. they've done the attorney thing or the accountant thing or the plumber thing, right? There's no, there's no ego hesitation about calling a plumber to fix a problem that only the plumber knows how to fix. Yes. Um, why is it ego here? Because it's them. It's not just what I'll call a business thing. Okay. You know, it, it really is. I would, you know, hate to say it, 80% of the challenge problem opportunity is the owner's mindset, how they approach things, how they think through things, how they deal with their people, how they deal with their customers. Have they even thought about certain things? Um, that's so common. Um, and, you know, and you know, I've talked about this before. You know, I look for what I call humble and hungry owners. They're humble enough that they need the help, but they're hungry enough they want something more than they have, uh, whatever that is. And that looks different for every single owner, by the way. What they really want in the end is a totally interesting answer to ask uh, and get the answer for. But um, they're just not satisfied. And so, but they have to be humble enough to know that they just need help. It's not, you know how that can be bad. It's, it, it would be just like a person deciding, um, I know I've got this medical issue, but I'm never going to go see a doctor like our male, you know, typical males, right. Um, just never going to go see a doctor and I'm going to let this thing fester until it's so bad. It's a problem. It's really the same type of mind game. I'll call it. Sure. Maybe sure. even I, I call it head trash too. I've, I've got a great guy that does my insurance named Anson Thompson. And he, he first, he's the first one I ever heard someone say that it's all head trash and it's just trying to help clear some of that trash. Ego and head it's got trash. you thinking. No, it? <laughs> I, well, it, it does because again, we talk with owners here all the time and the things uh, the question is, do I lack information or do I lack intention? Is there mm -hmm. something, of, I, I mean, we, we, I, we talk about learning all the time and it tends to focus on facts and, and processes or I don't, I don't understand, but how much time do you spend in facts and processes versus the head trash stuff? Mm, good question. Facts and figures, 50%. Okay. 
Because what, they're, what they're, do there's I know about my business? What? How do I read the financials? What am I seeing that I shouldn't? That kind Absolutely. of stuff. Absolutely right. Yeah, you know, reading a PL. Do you yeah. have a PL? Right. Do you know what it's telling you? Uh, do you know the difference between a balance sheet and a PL? Right. Um, you know what's what were your sales last quarter? What were your margins in each of the sections of your business? Those are facts, right? And they do some struggle with those a lot, right? Um, some struggle in different areas, some struggle in marketing or sales versus ops, some struggle in ops and not sales. You know, some are absolutely clueless in terms of financials other than what cash they have in the bank. They really are. Um, and that's why every owner is different. Everything we kind of work on is different um, and customized to what their specific need is, but yet still try and cover the gamut of what I call the entire kind of thought space around business, you know, Including what is it, you know? So, so walk me through a, a typical uh, coaching session. How how yeah. do we get started, and, and and what are are there? Is it um, a structured event with certain parts that happen each time? Sure, I, I would say the the typical structure that I have with my clients involves looking backwards, looking at the moment as we speak, what's happening. So what's happened in the last two weeks or month, what's happened right now. And I would tell you eight times out of 10, there's something. So it, looking back is always good. It's just kind of, Hey, we covered something the last time on topic and how did that go catching up? You know, you tried a new sales technique, you tried a new conversation with a leader. How'd that go? And kind of cycling that through. Then there's usually some particular event that's literally happening as we speak. I've had to fire someone, someone's, you know, uh, my sales just dropped this month and I don't know why, whatever. Um, and then it's look forward. So I'd say of all the consistency, irregardless of the topic at hand, we're typically doing that type of cycle for sure. And, and so, you know, you're one of our partners. We, we mm -hmm. brought you in to to have a talk with tony who yeah. the audience met last time and so for for someone like tony they come in and there's this they have these opportunities and they have these limitations what what does the application of your framework look like for for someone in that sort of scenario sure. is it about goal setting and then figuring out possible pathways like is it is it introducing a methodology to to the business owner of, of how to conceptualize these different opportunities? Maybe they've never ha had to do that before. Can you walk us through what that looks like? Yeah, it's a good one. I'd say, you know, typically I always start with why and why are they in business? Okay. And and then what is their ultimate goal for the business? You know, and, you know, in, in, in Tony's case, you know, we started to look at what's that look like, you know, five years out, 10 years out. Um, what does he want it? to do and sometimes that takes a while to work through even through that question right they've 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 been in the business or done the business and started the business and run it for several years now but they've really never thought about what do i want to get out of it they just you know making money or you know being able to pay my bills those kind of things but in the end i want them to look a little farther than you know the next year or two it's literally in five years time what does that look like and that's where we'll start with Tony for sure. Um, and then typically I would say, you know, aside from things like, you know, do they have a mission statement? Do they know what the vision for the business looks like in the future? 
do they even know what values are important to them? Um, and some of that sounds really soft sometimes to owners. They're like, I, I, you know, I really want to get into the, well, slow down, right? <laughs> What's important to you, right? What do you want it to feel like? What do you want your employees to get out of it? And those kind of things. Bob, do you um, carry hammer and nails with you to nail down an owner who's really wants to scream at you about how I hire the next half dozen people I need? You want to talk about <laughs> mission, vision, and values? I, I, I how do you? I, I would yeah. want to know how to how do I make my widgets cheaper? Like how do yes. I make them more efficiently? How can I deliver them on time? Like how do you how do you take yeah, them? There? I uh, I call it a very uh, blended approach, right? I'll, I'll do that. But, you know, that actually gets almost right on the border of consulting. If you want me to tell you how to make your product cheaper, right? You know, may not be a coach for that. I can tell you how to create the process and a team and a system that will make your products cheaper and continue to do that. And how do you do that? But if you want to know, you know, how this gizmo that you're making, right, can be two cents cheaper, I may not be the right guy. Now I may know somebody and we're going to have that conversation if you want to have it and we'll, you know, set that up and make it happen. But, you know, that's, so, so why I'm, do you, why do you want it two cents cheaper? Right? But I'm trying to get at how you, how you reframe it for the business owner to understand that these mission and value and all this kind of stuff is actually important. Yes. And it's worth our effort and time to work on this stuff because for what it will then deliver later. You how, how do you, how do you convince someone that it's, it's, we can't just run past that. Uh, two two ways. Typically, it's either is what you're doing now working. Sometimes it's that blunt. Mm -hmm. um, and if it's not, there's a reason because you haven't both even for yourself defined what's important to you, where the business is going so that people can follow. And sometimes, you know, that bears itself in turnover and people leaving or frustration or your management team. And so if they want to eliminate some of that noise, um, typically it comes with clarity. What is the business? What is it not? What are we doing? What are we not doing? Where am I playing? What am I not playing? Um, and that's what I call it. it. It is a, it's a, sometimes it is a, it's a tuggle, right? A, a struggle back and forth, but that's what I'm there for, right? I'm there for to stretch and pull and challenge their assumptions, challenge how they think, challenge even their basic assumptions of the business. Um, if needed, right? And sometimes, you know, there's certain things that people get it and you don't have to spend a whole lot of time on. Um, the What I would tell you from a coaching standpoint, the value is in the workout, right? It may not be in that particular topic, right? It Just by a, a silo to itself, it's probably not necessarily where the, the value is, is the continued process of pushing and challenging and asking and having to think through things more than they are now. You know, most business owners don't spend more than one hour a month on the business, thinking it as a machine. Hmm. How do I get the machine to do what I need it to do? They just, just go, right? Again, the very thing that was their strength that got them there becomes the very thing they need to slow down uh, and actually stop and think about the business as a machine and I call it the basic business engine. It is literally inputs, what's happening, what's the outputs. Um, and typically, you would be surprised most owners cannot describe those three things in, with clarity. So it's part of, part of the process is just challenging the owner to think differently over time.
Can, can you describe to us one of the one of the biggest transformations you've helped work on? Uh, sure, auto repair shop, um, and I'd say it was a two year process. Um, the owner worked in the business every day, probably sixty to eighty hours a week. Um, over the course of two years, we did a few things. One, the biggest one was learn to delegate and let go. Um, learn to develop his team so that they could accept those things and hold them accountable to them. Um, and literally in the you know last six months after two plus years of doing that, uh, I, remember, I remember the phone call I got from the owner um, one day on my cell phone, just kind of out of the blue. It's like, I don't know, 10 o'clock in the morning. And he said, Bob, I'm sitting on the couch. It's a Wednesday and I don't know what to do at home because I challenged him over to time say, I want you to make sure on Friday you're not at work. And then three months later, I want you to make sure Thursday and Friday you're not at work. And then over the course of two years, he got it down to one day. Um, and so you know, obviously that took a little bit of work. But he literally got to the point where he could check in Monday morning, set the tone, take off, set his team on fire, and then go home. And then he was a bit of doing this, which was a great problem. There's other things he should have been doing. But overall, conceptually, it was, okay, you now have created the time. You've created the machine that produces results. And by the way, the results went up. So he wasn't that great, right? I mean, he knows if he would he would appreciate me saying that, um, but he he built a machine and a team that was able to perform with him not being there, and uh, ultimately it's led to a, a sale and he's he's out looking for the next thing now. So um, he he really built he was probably one of the best examples of what I call an owner that truly knew the dials of mm. how to tweak and fine tune the business up to the point where if I ask any more I'm probably gonna you know, people are going to crack or something, right? Had a you know, set a great culture, great culture of accountability, a fun place to work, loved his customers, the customers loved him, uh, and it was obvious. Um, and I'd say that's that's one of my best, for sure. What, what, what do you think the success rate for coaching is? I mean, not, not for you in particular, sure. obviously, but just in general, um, if I'm an owner looking at coaching, what, should, what do you think I should reasonably expect? And what should I look for in a coach? Oh, sure. Well, I th you know, let me start with what to look for. Um, I think anyone that tells you that um, I'm going to take you through six steps to massive profits or something like that. You're going to, you're yeah. like 12 X my business, right? Yes. I, now some of that could be a Bob paid. I thing. heard there's a guy who can 13. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, flies in corporate jets, all those kind of things. Right. Um, I call that, that guy 14 X's. Yes, for sure. Um, but I, I, I'll call, I think what they should, one, they're checking for fit. It, it really, it, again, it's a trust-based business. Um, there has to be a chemistry. If there isn't, it makes it very hard. It just does. Um, because we are kind of together and we are sharing some really deep stuff. I mean, uh, all the way down to people and, you know, partner problems sometimes, right? If it's not a solo owner, there's all kinds of other things that go with it. And so they do have to trust that coach and figure out how to, how to trust them. And in, in my business, typically that is through referrals. 
um, I work with other people and it's whether from my own clients or people that I work with around them. Um, they're trusted advisors. That's how they, you know, show up in my, in my world. Um, you know, questions I see they ask about, you know, what does it feel like? What am I going to be doing? Um, how is, how do you approach particular things? Even the meeting that we have, are you going to meet in my office? Or are you going to meet outside somewhere? Are you going to meet online? Um, you know, and what, what's it going to be like? What are you going to do to me <laughs> in some ways? Um, they need to be asking those questions. And I would say if it's a cookie cutter approach, I would, I would start setting off alarm bells because I find even though, again, business is business, there are very specific needs that a business has that they want to achieve that are so different. Um, I mean, as an example, I've got owners who their sole goal at the end of the business is to sell it and to have nothing to do with it and go build houses in Guatemala for, you know, disadvantaged and poor children, right? That is their goal. And so whatever I have to do to get there, that's what I want to have happen. I have others who want to do just the opposite. I want to stay in the business up until the day that I literally can't breathe, right? Or, you know, but I don't want to run it every day. I just, you know, I want to be the guy that's kind of there supporting the team and coaching and et cetera. Um, and I'll let it be an annuity until I'm gone. And then, you know, we'll let the next guy take over. And so every one of those pathways looks different. And so I would want someone asking me, you know, how are you going to help me achieve that? The problem is they don't necessarily they haven't necessarily thought of that yet as why they're in business in the first place. So you know, we do run into, David, to your question, a little bit of the chicken and the egg situation, right? I can't help you if I don't know what you want, but if you don't know what you want, how can I help you? And so there is this phase in the middle and at, at the beginning, you know, call it discovery, whatever you want. It's a little bit of a dance to try and establish what those boundaries are going to be in a pathway. And we'll do that with Tony for sure is what's he want out of the business knowing that first, then that sets, you know, begin with the end in mind and work your way backwards. So. Yeah. Are, um, do you mostly work with people that are in your local area? Do you have a lot of face-to-face -face meetings? I do. Uh, I'd say majority of my clients are here in central Indiana, okay. uh, but I do have remote. We've, uh, when COVID happened, as you can imagine, that created a whole different dynamic. It's probably how I even met Mike as far as that. I don't know. Uh, I have to go back and look, but, um, I do have remote clients. Those come by referrals and those are fine. Um, you know, as fellow growth coaches, we don't market in each other's territories. Um, so we're, you know, obviously sensitive to that. Uh, but that's, and how that's never been a problem. So. Is the relationship different though? This is what I want to, I want to get at is, is it a different relationship with someone that you entirely work remotely with versus someone that you have had face-to-face -face meetings with? I would have initially told you it was different, but I don't think it was. Um, I've had enough remote clients now. I've had one for over two years, I even started during COVID and kept after that. Um, and while I would love to reach out, you know, sometimes and shake hands, hug, whatever, I don't know. Um, it, uh, we've had the discussion and I've even, you know, in some cases offered to hop on an airplane now and fly and just be there for just to meet face to face. And yeah, don't worry about it. And for me, it's a little like, mm, boy, could it be more? I don't know, but 
in the end, if the client is happy and satisfied and gets value out of it, that's what matters. So um, I think it's a little bit of both. Um, you know, the, the, I remember coming out of COVID when we started to reschedule in-person meetings. And I remember Zoom meetings are all much more efficient. It's yeah. just like we're doing right now. We could never do this, right? It, how long would it have taken to have this in person um, versus it gets it done. And so there is the factor of convenience and time. And honestly, for both parties, that makes that pretty productive. Um, so yeah, so I would have told you no, but I've been reconvinced. So. Interesting. I'm, uh, um, I, 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 I'm hesitating to ask the next question because I, I, I don't want it to turn negative, but I'm going to ask anyways, Bob, sure. do the opposite. Tell me what owners should look for that should scare them away from a coach. What, what is the, uh, um, what are the warning signs Now you alluded to the, that they know it all, that they know it all. I can solve all your problems. I think that's absolute insanity um, and just not genuinely true. It, it, it's their business is so complex now. And, I, you know, maybe 20 years ago that could have worked. Um, I don't think now uh, that's truly possible. I mean, I, I've touched so many different business types that I've had to actually buck up a little bit and go learn about other things that I haven't been exposed to just to make sure I know where the client's coming from. But if someone says they are and they can help anybody, mm, I, to me, that's a big, big red flag. Um, I just I, I don't think even between chemistry, uh, background, how you work together, um, uh, personality styles, you name it. Um, I just I just don't see that being productive. Um, everybody's not for me and I'm not for everybody. And I'm OK with that. That's um, now that may have taken a while to kind of come to that conclusion, but um, anybody that says they could just literally help any single business owner, mm, I'm not so sure. Sure, sure. And and how do you and most coaches charge? Is it hourly? Is it flat rate? What, um, it's a great how does question. that work? I can tell you how I do it. Uh, I would say, you know, a majority of the market that I know typically is by the hour uh, or by a package. Um, in my case, I do a blend of both. I kind of do a slight, what I'll call retainer based on the amount of time that owner or the team or organization wants to spend focused outside of the daily business, right? How much time are we going to dedicate every month? And then what's that look like in terms of the engagement? Um, you know, as an example with a, a particular owner, one-on-one -on -one exec coaching, uh, that may just be two hours a month. Um, and, However, I will tell you, typically good lawyer language, I'll call it. Um, there's always something. And so I typically bundle things together. I factor in what we're going to do. You know, obviously I've got prep time as well. Uh, that may be more complex depending on the type of situation in the business. And so typically uh, what I do is I set, you know, a six or 12 month cadence, um, you know, once a month or twice a month uh, for a certain amount of time. And within that time period, I call it, I throw everything in the kitchen sink in, you know, so whether that's personality assessments and the things that go with it, other tools, financial analysis, those kind of things. Um, I'll just throw all that in um, just for one flat fee per month to keep it simple. 
Um, for me, I don't want them to be thinking every time they pick up the phone, how much is this going to cost me by the second? It's, it's not productive. Sure. Um, so I just try and eliminate that from the equation. Does that answer your question? It does. It does. Yeah. No, it, it, again, I'm, I'm putting myself in the place of that owner sitting out there listening to this. And obviously there we're introducing you because, you know, the next, uh, the next episode is going to be the follow-up with Tony sure. and they're going to be able to kind of see that pathway through. Um, but uh, again, my own relationship with coaching over the years has evolved. I, I like I said, the first couple decades of ownership for me, I was the, what do I need this guy for? Guy, right. Right. Sure. I, 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 and that's been an evolution and an important one for me. Um, so I'll ask you the question, what made you change your mind? Well, coming to terms with the reality that I coach um, made me realize that uh, uh, my lack of experience as a coaching client uh, had an impact. Oh, interesting! Um, and, and so my ability to understand both sides of that, I, I, that, that's kind of defined my career, having sat in different chairs at that table, sure. being able to have that perspective. And this is one where I felt um, I knew I had, you know, conversations that could be had and needs that could be met that way. Um, but I think you probably pegged me pretty pretty well on that answer earlier. It's a question of ego. Well, why do I need to pay for this? I should be able to just sit down and figure this out myself. And that's not really what this process is about. It's not about just figuring it out. It's not about finding the right answer. It's about finding an answer that's right for you. And part of that is the elimination of the wrong ones. That's correct. Or the less right ones. That's correct. Hey, oh, and, I'm glad you said that. That is... That's and th that would be red flag number two, right? And that's why those the ones that are just absolutely I know I can help you no matter what. I sets a red flag because there's there's too much nuance, there's too much things that aren't said in the moment, etc. And it takes time to flush those things out. And you have to make sure in the end it's it's the owner's business. It's not mine, right? right? I don't run their business. Um, all I can do is help pull the things out of them that they, you know, probably haven't spent a lot of time thinking about even from the very beginning of the business. Um, and they're, you know, we want there to be what I'll call self-discovery. We want them to all of a sudden have aha moments and go, wow, I've never thought of that. Um, and you know, that's, that's what gets up, gets us up in the morning, right. May have nothing to do with my particular knowledge of a, I don't know, distribution center, how it works or something. I don't know. Right. That's, but that all plays into that little bit of that tapestry behind the scenes that gets that owner to that point when they can make good decisions. I want them to, I want to help them make good decisions. Yeah. yeah and sometimes well to your point, there aren't any good options, right? Sometimes those are really hard. Yeah. Um, and that's just, that's business. It, it would seem to me that this is a, a similar case to any kind of other specialist, dentist, plumber, et cetera, where, uh, you know, the dentist has done so many fillings, you know, they, they've seen all these cases over and over again. They, they can immediately yes. apply their knowledge. I, I see it when I'm, you know, looking at helping people with their buy or sell a business and I'm looking at a particular deal and maybe it's the hundredth dry cleaning set of financials that I've looked at, right? So it's, it's easy to, to look at it and see what's going on just because of that familiarity. 
And, and for most business owners, they're going to be going through some of these challenges for the first time ever without having ever looked at it either from the inside or the outside. And so they're blazing a new trail if they're, if they're going at this on their own, whereas you've helped multiple people before go through it. And you, you, you I mean, you just said, you know, I, I want to set things up for self-discovery. Well, you probably know what the things are that you want them to discover because you've had led people down this path before. Sure. And it's, uh, I call it, you know, the background that I had that I mentioned that, you know, I've dabbled in a lot of different things over a course of, you know, 25, 30 years that provide, you know, I wasn't a, uh, a specific aerospace engineer that only focused on X. Um, I knew pretty early on that that's not what I wanted to do. Um, and so, when I come into any particular situation, I've, you know, I've done everything from retail to stuffed fiberglass in a dumpster, right? I'll call, um, you know, I've been in manufacturing, I've been in distribution, I've been in warehouse, you know, wholesale, I've been in retail, you name it. So that does come into play. Um, and with each of my clients, there are situations, uh, and uh, I, I tell all my clients that I'm a studier of business models, right? How does a business work? How does it function? How does this one do it versus this one? Um, and there are some really good nuggets in that, that, you know, if they've never talked to that other type of business and don't know how they function, they just kind of are blind to it. Um, and that could be the very key that changes their whole business or how they at least approach the next year uh, is just thinking outside their own box. And that gets back to the ego and, you know, I, Mike probably knows this, you know, if you have a round table of owners from different markets, different types of businesses, I guarantee you in a two hour span, every one of those will walk away with something extremely positive, if not, you know, mind blowing in that course of that conversation, but you got to force them to do it. Right. So. Well, very good, Bob. It's uh, it, it's been great to hear more about your story. I'm really excited to hear how you um, engage Tony. We're going to have have him back at, after you guys have worked together and um, get a chance to understand better um, how that process is helping his business evolve. You bet. I look forward to it. Yeah. Awesome. And so, and Bob, if people are, are curious to learn more about you, where can they go and find you online? You betcha. Obviously, www.thegrowthcoachofnorthindy.com. Um, do any growth coach search and type in Indianapolis and it'll pop up for sure. So, And obviously on LinkedIn, all those kind of things. I'm there. Look for the cup of coffee. That's my <laughs> guess. Awesome, Bob. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Great to meet. Great to talk, Bob. You bet. Thanks, Mike. Well, the, I I got to tell you, Mike, I learned quite a bit there. I mean, I I you know I I help coach people through the process of buying or selling a business quite often, but I think it's a little bit different than just you know helping someone with their business and what they're trying to achieve because I'm I'm following a particular series of of guideposts, you know, along a That's particular right. journey. Right. And, and, and when Bob meets people, he's got this much more of a, a blank canvas in front of him of where he might be able to take these people. Right. Right. And what success actually means to them uh, and, or that process of, Oh, I, I'm, I want this. 
but that's not enough to just get that answer, right? I want to grow my business to 5 million. Okay, well, let's figure out how to do that. Or why 5 million? What, what mm. does that represent? What are we actually trying to achieve by that, right? It, it, you start picking some of that stuff apart and um, it goes a very different direction. So yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to see what uh, Bob's able to do with Tony and, uh, and his business. Now, Bob came into the picture here with your exit squad uh, through through your network of, of professional colleagues that you have out there. But if someone else out there was like Bob and worked with small businesses, how might they be able to come and join with us and potentially help some of our guests? They can jump over to your exit squadpartners.com. There on the screen, you see it, your exit squadpartners.com. There's a short application to fill out. Um, and it's going to give you the ability to uh, allow us to put you in touch with some of our small business participants. And, and again, we focus on exit here. But as we learned from Bob, this isn't just about exit, because mm. sometimes to change your business so you can exit, we're focusing in other areas, right? So if you're a, a, a generalist, a coach like Bob, a marketing expert, uh, an accountant, all of those folks, um, we, we're running across those needs that uh, owners have. And David, if I was an owner that wanted to participate here at your exit squad, how, how could I do that? Well, aren't they supposed to just call you on your telephone? That's right. Just, just Oh, no, sorry. Wait, no. Okay. I got it. There's another website. It's your exit squad guests.com is the place where small business owners can go fill in a form uh, to let us know your story. And then, uh, and then if it's a fit, we can have you on and uh, potentially work with one of our experts to help make some improvements or changes in the business. That's right. And last but not least, yourexitsquad.com is going to bring you to the YouTube uh, channel where you can subscribe and uh, not miss an episode. That's right. And and if you are watching this program, if, if someone shared it with you on social media or whatnot, it's a really big help to us if you click the like button. If you share it further on to your own social networks, uh, whether you share it from YouTube onto Twitter or onto Facebook or anything like that, it'd be a big help for us. And if you're listening to the audio, please leave us a review on whatever app or platform it is that you use to listen to podcasts. All of that stuff is so important, especially for a new show to gain traction and have those, you know, automated algorithms start to suggest our program to other people who may derive great value from being able to hear these stories. Absolutely. Great advice. Yeah. And with that, um, this has been awesome. It's good to see you again, Mike. Nice to see you. We'll, uh, we'll see you next time. All right. Talk to you later. Bye-bye now.